Welcome back to the Power of One podcast. My name is Haley, and I am a first-generation student here at UK, and I'm so super excited to be involved with the podcast. Today's episode will be all about being a first-gen student in Eastern Kentucky. Before we kick off our interview, let me introduce our guest today, Robert Hayes. Robert is from Wolf County, Kentucky, right in the heart of Eastern Kentucky, and is currently the Director of Student Transitions and Family Programs. One of the offices in this unit is the First Generation Student Advising. Um, in addition to his work with student transitions and family programs, Robert serves on a number of campus committees as well as maintaining partnerships with national and state organizations. Robert earned his bachelor's from Berea College and his master's from the University of Louisville and is completing a PhD here at UK. Robert currently lives in Richmond, Kentucky with his wife and three children. Um, so excited to have you with us today, Robert. Thanks for joining us. Absolutely, I'm looking forward to it. Um, so I guess to kick us off, um, tell me just a little bit about your experience as a first generation student from Eastern Kentucky and sort of what that is like. So for me, and this is one of those things that it's always, it's always interesting for me to reflect on this because even though there was no reason or rhyme to it, I, I knew I was always going to go to college. Um, no one in my family necessarily knew what that would mean. We didn't know anything about the process, but it was just instilled in me at a fairly early age that this is something I was going to do. And, and just to clarify, for me, first generation, it really Yes, I'm a first-generation college graduate, but I was the first in my immediate family to graduate high school. Uh, I was the first to earn a master's, let alone even think about this PhD. Um, and as you uh, as you indicated in the introduction, uh, I went on to Berea College, which is a small private liberal arts college. Uh, and looking back uh, on that, it was just. I, I really didn't know what I didn't know as I went into college. Um, there were programs for sure, like Upper Bound. Oh, and just to be clear, uh, my college days predate the Robinson Scholarship, so I didn't have that opportunity, but I, I didn't participate in any of these programs. For one, I didn't necessarily know the value of, of going through it and learning all this is about college. So really, I had to feel my way through that first semester, and if I'm being honest, that first year of college. So I was really just going on those things I had heard from other folks who may or may not have really had a, an understanding of college, and I certainly didn't go into uh, college with like this deep understanding of, of how this process was even going to work. But I'm, I can say, looking back, Truly, some of my best memories are from those days in Berea. Um, I, I always like to tell folks that like my learning uh, curve, uh, it really peaked uh, early in elementary and then it started to fade off. But then in college again, it had another spike. So I really look fondly back at those days. Uh, and to say that my undergrad days were formative is certainly an understatement. Uh, Berea College and that that experience really sh uh, really helped to shape the path that I would take. So I'm also a first-gen student from Eastern Kentucky, which I know you know, but just in case the audience doesn't. Um, so I 
definitely relate to what you said. I mean, like, luckily, both my parents had graduated high school, so they got that little bit. But from there, they never considered going to college. Um, where I'm from, very much like coal country. So it was like manual jobs, you know, just doing things like that. That was what they were always told they were going to do. So that that's what they did as soon as they got out of high school. Um, but I just knew for me, going to college, like I said, ever since I was little, I was like four years old. And I was like, I'm going to go to Harvard. I used to tell my grandparents that all the time. Um, and it was just like something, there was just never like another option for me. I, I always wanted to go to college. Um, so I'm, I'm thankful that I have gotten to go to college and hopefully I'll get my master's and maybe even my PhD one day. Um, but I just feel like it was sort of hard to navigate that without my parents. And luckily I did have the Robinson program. Um, but it's been something, I mean, obviously it's been a challenge, but it's also been like a blessing because like I said, I had the Robinson program. I built friends that are first gen and sort of became really involved with the first gen community. So, you know, it has its wins and challenges. Um, so what specific challenges do you think came from being first gen specifically from Eastern Kentucky? Like, what do you think for you those specific challenges were? Yeah, and, and thank you for sharing that because I, I really will, this will only be my experience because as you know, uh, the, being a first generation student from Eastern Kentucky, it doesn't in any way represent a monolith. We, we're very different and from where you're from and that part of the state being a more of a coal producer to where I'm from, Wolf County, uh, quite a bit of variation in there. So I appreciate you framing that through that individual lens. Having said that though, uh, because I do think there's a lot of relatability uh, in, in much of what, like I think you and I are really gonna have some, there's some understanding and some commonalities that just being from Eastern Kentucky uh, makes it easier for us to relate to. And, and again, this is for me. So, so first there was this, this push and pull dynamic uh, once I got to college that uh, on the one hand, there was this pressure to succeed, uh, but you also sometimes feel like this, this pull, this connection back to place or to your family. It's like you you've had to, you've had to leave them for a while, but at the same time you're there. You've got all this pressure to do good. Uh, it it almost feels like you're carrying uh, your family's legacy on your shoulders at at sometimes. Um, and and I don't want to minimize that. Like this those feelings um, in that really that that pull for home and that desire it's it's a big deal i think sometimes people in higher ed try to minimize that but it's a legitimate uh thing that students have to struggle uh to get through and it it, it took me uh at least through that first semester to come to terms with that and and something and this again may speak more to me um I think being from Eastern Kentucky, coming to UK, uh, especially, there's there's a little bit of a language issue uh, that some of our students might might be dealing with, uh, and maybe dealing with in in places where you would think that we would be better than that. To be quite honest, um, and just to clarify, you know, many of us from Eastern Kentucky, we. 
uh, we may have at one point, may still do, speak in a slightly different dialect. We have slightly different accent, um, especially from a lot of these folks here. And this can present some challenges. It can make you start to feel self-conscious, uh, make you wonder if this place is for you, if you fit, if you fit in. Um, when I went to Berea, it wasn't that big of a deal for me because I think there were a whole lot of other folks from Appalachia that went there. But once I started to expand those horizons, uh, it was my accent was pointed out to me uh, quite a bit. So I, I tried to, uh, I tried to fit in and I, I started to alter that. And it's actually one of my biggest regrets looking back because now it, in some ways, it's like I'm in between these spaces. Uh, when I go back, um, I don't talk like I'm from there, but when I'm here, I'm reminded that I am in fact from Eastern Kentucky. So there's that weird duality that folks from Eastern Kentucky, we, we've got to deal with. Um, and again, just for me, there wasn't the greatest diversity of careers that were represented in our home counties. And, and yes, we, we say counties, unless you're from uh, a couple of the, the county seats. Like I knew, I, I thought I knew about education and teaching. I knew we had doctors and lawyers, but as far as what I was really gonna study when I got to college, I didn't know. Uh, I had to put a lot of thought into that because it never was really something that I got to see. There weren't those folks that got to model all these different things for me as I was coming up. Um, and then finally, I, I don't want to belabor this one, but I think that a lot of folks from Eastern Kentucky, I think we have some, some strong independence to us. And I think that that is, that's certainly a positive trait. However, uh, what I realized early on is that independence may have prevented me from seeking out some of those resources that really, it would have made life easier had I just, uh, sought those out in a more timely manner. I totally relate to basically everything. I know for the accent one specifically, I mean, my accent is still here, but not nearly as thick as a lot of people from where I'm from. But literally somebody just pointed it out in one of my classes the other day. She was like, she was like, I can hear that you're from Appalachia. She was from Wisconsin. And I was like, I can hear that you're from Wisconsin. I was like, so, um, you know, that's still something that's pointed out all the time. And, and I definitely feel like, I mean, I'm used to it now, but at first I was like, that makes me feel like, you know, it's like, why are you pointing that out? You know, because um, it's already hard enough for me to be here. I worked very hard to get here just because we don't sound the same doesn't mean anything. Um, and I think as for the like not having, I guess, like different uh, careers modeled, I remember I always grew up wanting to be a doctor. Um, and now my major is journalism. And I was like, in high school, I decided I was like, I hated AP chemistry. I was like, if I hate AP chemistry right now, I can't even imagine what it's going to be like for eight years of school. I was like, so that's a no from me. Um, and I remember my, my chemistry teacher in high school wrote in my note in my yearbook, she signed it. And she said, I hope that you actually because I had told her my major is going to be in the communications college. I didn't know at the time what it was going to be. She wrote in there, I hope that you actually or that you find your actual patch, your actual passion 
and come back to chemistry. And I was like, what? And she was like, there's not much you can really do with communication. And I was like, yes, there is. I was like, but you know, she is from there. There's not a ton of like communication jobs represented there. And I was like, so that sort of hurt my heart because she was like, one of my favorite teachers, we were super close. Um, but I mean, I now have a pretty successful job as a head of content for a company. And I was like, girl, you don't even know. <laughs> so I just, you know, that's just some of the challenges, but there's definitely a lot of benefits that come along with being first gen. Like you said, the independence part can hurt, but it can also help tremendously, very self-motivated. Um, so I'd love to hear what you think some of the benefits that come along with being first gen from Eastern Kentucky are. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm often, uh, I try to review uh, a lot of research uh, that comes out often with an, I have to admit with a very critical eye because well, there's a long history of uh, misinformation and poor uh, or lazy research that's come out about uh, folks from Eastern Kentucky. But uh, something that uh, more recently that's very, I think it's a more of a common sense finding uh, there's some uh, research that really suggests that some of the life opportunities that we faced as first-generation students from Eastern Kentucky may actually better uh, better position us to overcome some of the challenges that we face in college. Um, and I think it's important for colleges and institutions of higher ed to capitalize on that and, and use that from that uh, assets-based perspective. But so an example for me, uh, thinking back, and, and I'm, I'm very candid about this whenever folks ask, you know, I came from, uh, I, I came from a family with uh, very little money. So for me, I had to be resourceful. There was nothing profound about that. That was just the way that I navigated the day to day. Uh, so I do think for me that just being a creative problem solver that helped me and it had a lot of applicability in how really in how I navigated my classes uh, in college overall. Like I, I had, whenever I had calculus, I, I sometimes took a different path to get to the answer than what the professor has suggested, but that's fine. It, it's just, it was some of my wiring that I think was impacted by me being from uh, Eastern Kentucky. Like, in other words, some of the challenges that you face in college, uh, they may feel minor in comparison to some of the other life circumstances that students have had to deal with before they ever get to college. So I do think in addition to that, a lot of folks from East Kentucky, they really exhibit a strong drive to achieve and to represent their area. Like, even if we joke about it, there's a lot of pride uh, being from Eastern Kentucky and you really want to, you want to plant that flag wherever you can so that people know uh, that people from where we're from, we can do good things. Often we can do things as good or better uh, than most, uh, than a lot of the other folks. So like, I'm proud uh, of being an Eastern Kentuckian and I, I still like that feeling of accomplishing things on behalf of my region. Uh, I will on occasion point out some things to colleagues uh, and I take a lot of, uh, I, I still take a lot of joy in that. And I really think that that drive uh, can pay some really good dividends for our students when it's properly directed. 
Um, and, you know, there is that sense of community, I think, from Eastern Kentucky, but that sense of community is also here at UK as well, because we have, we have a lot of folks uh, from Eastern Kentucky. Uh, we just have to be uh, very intentional in how we identify those pockets. Um, like I, I can say as a professional staff uh, member here, we know who we are. Uh, and, and once you make a couple connections, you start to make more and more connections. And that's important for students to make too. I feel like one of the biggest benefits that you were just talking about um, would be, like you said, that hard work and like being driven because I feel like people are so driven to like, like we've had to be driven our whole lives and especially as first gen, because if you wanna to come to college, like you have to be driven to do it. You have to navigate the application process, scholarships, that whole thing on your own. So I feel like that just adds to another layer of like hardworking um, on top of being from Eastern Kentucky, like that first gen piece just really builds. And I, I think that's something that I see in myself and a bunch of other first gen students here that I know we're very just like self-motivated. I think that's really one of our biggest benefits. And I think that that also takes it into like, like you said, building community, like we're so driven and then we surround us our, surround ourselves with other driven people. And that's something that is so relevant and so very seen in the UK first gen student community, especially with those from Eastern Kentucky. Like we're all just, we're so close. Like my Robinson scholar class, we are all so close. We are all so connected and we just, I feel like that's just something that like mimics the communities where we're from. And I'm just very happy to see that also at UK. Um, I guess it sort of brings it into our next question. So like I said, we're from pretty tight knit, smaller communities in Eastern Kentucky. Um, even being from the biggest county, I was from a pretty small city in, in the biggest county. I was not from Pikeville where there's like 50,000 people. I just, I was not from there. Um, even though people always assume I was, it's just, you know, whatever. Um, so uh, we're from tiny, usually smaller communities, small towns, um, like I said, tight-knit communities. It can be hard to adjust um, to like student, like to city life, especially if you're coming to college here in Lexington, like that's a big change, even though it's not a huge city, it's still a city, still a big change from where we're from. Um, so what advice do you have for students who are making that like small town to city change and even just small town to college anywhere um, change? Love some advice for that. Yeah, that, that's a great question. And uh, looking back uh, at even my transition to uh, Berea College, which is in the city of Berea, who at that time maybe had a population of 10,000. To me, it felt like I was going uh, uh, I was going off to New York uh, because our whole county, uh, and maybe I think it still hovers in this range, was in the six to 7,000 person. So uh, to me, even going to that was, it was an adjustment. But, uh, and this is what I had to just sort of uh, learn uh, to do. And now that I know better, I, I want other students to know how you can go ahead and start to navigate this. So first and foremost, and we hear this so often uh, that I think it becomes cliche, but you've got to get connected. Um, and, and I'm not necessarily going to say to any one thing or any one person, but it doesn't matter, find you a person, 
let it be a club, something that you have interest in. You just have to be sure to get connected because what I think that did for me and what it does for a lot of students is it really helps to shrink this place. Like UK can feel overwhelming, but when you start to piece it out into these smaller communities, really in just a matter of days or weeks, you will see students make a transition and, and they never thought they would make it that quickly. Uh, and for me specifically, like I can remember uh, intramural sports uh, or just sports in general were really, that was sort of like my entryway into getting connected to the whole campus. Uh, and it really, it really helped out. So it could be, it could be anything. Uh, whatever helps a student feel comfortable and engaged, that's what you initially need to pursue. Then you can, of course, branch out. But the really big thing is uh, feeling like you're a part of this because we are. Um, and, and I can say students that come into UK, and, and much of this you know because you got to experience uh, a lot of this, but we have, we have this first generation scholars living learning community. It's a great spot to just start like literally building community. And that's something that can really help to shrink uh, some of this space down. Uh, we do, and you mentioned earlier, uh, the first-gen advising folks, absolutely. There are a lot of people who make connections with professionals, with faculty, with staff, and that ends up being one of their uh, go-tos. That's great. Uh, the more people can do that, the better. Student Support Services is a great connection for students. Uh, we have first-gen student org. Uh, those folks are active uh, as evidenced by this very podcast. Uh, and I think that there are some really good opportunities to get involved with there. We have a range of student leadership opportunities. Really, the, the, the point is get connected. But then once you've gotten here, you've gotten those, you start to do the connections. You also have to be very mindful of your academics, I think, so that not only do you feel like you belong socially, but you're making sure that you, you're doing everything you need to do academically. And we've got a wide range of tutoring offered across this campus, um, like from the larger university-wide serving to within colleges. Uh, and, and then really, we just have a lot of ways that students can get connected. So I would just say, build these relationships Use your academic and program advisors to, to the fullest uh, that you can, and we will get you connected to resources. Um, th really, there's, there's no excuse not uh, to get connected. I totally agree. I feel like when we come, when people from Eastern Kentucky, especially first-gen students come, like you said, we're, we're independent. Um, so it can be hard to like reach out at first for help, like when we need help um, in classes and such. But I could not recommend the study more. I was a tutor with them up until just a few months ago once I got a new job. And I, they are absolutely such a great resource. You do not have to be intimidated by them. It's just other students. It's just, I mean, it's not anybody like a professor looking over your shoulder or anything like there's constantly people there to help you and the study is not the only resource. I mean, that's one of the biggest academic ones, um, <clears throat> but also just finding community within your college. I've really loved just getting to know my professors and different organizations within what I'm doing um, in my college. 
and there is tons of them depending on what college you're in that's a big resource and then one to really just take a break um, when you need time to just do things is just finding things in your hobbies um, I've done a lot of writing clubs um, this podcast I consider to be one of my hobbies I love podcast um, and things like that and so finding a mix between academic resources like academic communities um, connecting like networking communities and really just communities for you to have like fun and friendship that's that's really important to find that sort of balance. And it's also important to remember that even though we're in a city here, there's still local things. So I love like going out to local businesses, local restaurants and things like that, because that sort of mimics what we see back in Eastern Kentucky, which is very much, at least in my city, small business focused, um, a lot of small local restaurants and things. And it's nice to see that those things are still here in Lexington to remember and exploring those just as if you were in you know, your local community. So that's just some of my best advice on that. Um, yeah. So um, another thing that uh, a lot of problems, a lot of people from Eastern Kentucky, especially first-gen students, think that UK and other state schools like this are out of their price range. That's one of the biggest things, especially like, like you mentioned, you came from an impoverished family and as did I, I mean, my family never had a lot of money. Um, so I knew I was always going to college, but I didn't ever know really how <laughs> it was like, well, you know, how am I going to get there? Um, and I think that's a lot of students, first-gen students in Eastern Kentucky have that question. Um, so what kind of resources for financial aid and scholarships is there available for first-gen students as a whole, but also, you know, specifically those from Eastern Kentucky and anything like that? Yeah, this is, this is one of those questions that it's it's super valid like this is one that i i know uh, that a lot of students and families have it's uh i do want to give space for that it's it's a very valid question but i also think that there's there's a lot of educating we could do out in the community about how affordable a lot of opportunities really are and this isn't a plug uh, this is just just reality i think that if we change our mindset it really makes it much easier to start navigating some of these resources and finding out just how affordable uh, a college education can be. So, so in some of this uh, sort of mindset shifting, um, I really think you have to start thinking about this early. Uh, for Kentucky students specifically, some of this is very basic. Grades are important, doing good, helps to build that Keys foundation. Uh, we often don't think about that, uh, but Keys, Keys can add up. There are incentives built into Keys funding that take into account things like ACT scores, AP, IB, the Cambridge Advanced scores for those schools that have that. It adds up. Uh, and assuming that students take care of business once they get to college, that's recurring funding that really can help to plug some of the holes uh, from some of the other funding sources that students might have. So assuming the students keep taking care of their academics, uh, I, I think students need to uh, keep the lines of communication open with their high school guidance counselor. Uh, these are often folks who have some good insights uh, into what some scholarship availability that might exist for some students at their school, but 
really importantly, what the guidance counselor can do is help uh, help highlight the importance of filling out the FAFSA on time. If there is one takeaway, uh, it is fill out this FAFSA and do it early uh, because what that essentially would do is I, timely completion of the FAFSA, timely filing of the FAFSA, I should say. Uh, it's, it's very important because it puts students essentially in a better place for funding opportunities such as grants should they meet the criteria. Uh, and really, FAFSA nowadays has gotten, uh, it's so much more simplified than it was. I come from embarrassingly that era where you filled out a massive paper document and walked it in. Um, and, and we've also got workshops uh, that happen in community agencies with various uh, local community colleges that can help folks with FAFSA. Got to take care of FAFSA, got to do that uh, before you get to college and then you need to stay on top of it throughout. Um, other sources of information are sort of uh, also some low hanging fruit once students realize they're available. Um, you got to start making a connection with like the Office of Student Financial Aid and Scholarships. Uh, something really interesting that's uh, starting to be more fully utilized in addition to using the person and the financial aid office is there's an online uh, platform uh, called Scholarship Universe. And this is really nice. It's, it's like this, uh, it's a matching software that helps students start to see scholarships that they may be eligible, eligible for both internal and external um, that meet whatever criteria uh, that student happens to have. So that's that's pretty exciting. And actually a student can often find that there's more out there than they think. That's a super great tool. Uh, students can do a lot of self-exploration on funding options that way. Um, but really, <clears throat> students need to also get connected with their department, with their college. There's often additional funding sources within, within a college that could be linked to a major. And obviously there are some scholarships that are more directly tied to just like some of the standard uh, academic measures uh, like of GPA and ACT scores like the Provost Scholarship, Presidential, Singletary, things like that here at UK. Uh, really just looking over the scholarship website, you'll get to see the thresholds for some of those scholarships. And there are some scholarship opportunities that are targeted either for like uh, specific identity groups or geographic regions. The Robinson Scholarship is a good example of that. That serves uh, a region in Eastern Kentucky, uh, but there's also other geo-targeted scholarships such as the Pigman Engineering Scholarship. That is one that uh, focuses on students from Kentucky and is a really nice scholarship opportunity as well. Um, Really, uh, I think that it's important for folks to know that often there are more opportunities than we initially assume. And I just really would like to encourage folks to ask questions early and often because I think, and this is how my mindset was, people would just say, you've got to get a scholarship to go to college. Well, they didn't necessarily 
clarify that you can in fact get a series of scholarships that once stacked together with the grant aid actually make college pretty affordable. So um, just to explore uh, some of these resources and to keep asking questions because there's way more out there than we think. I also want to highlight, um, as I mentioned earlier, Eastern Kentucky has a lot of small businesses, a lot of small things like that. And I know at least in my local area, we had a lot of scholarships from local businesses. Now, mind you, they weren't like thousands of dollars, $150 here, all the way up to $500 here, you know, but if you get those scholarships, that can add up, or sometimes that's money in your pocket, depending on if, if they're from local businesses, um, they could just write you a check and be like, here, use this for your dorm room stuff or whatever. Um, but that adds up and don't excuse them just because the number on them may be smaller than others, because that often means there isn't a lot of people applying for those. So I know I applied for one, it was some random local scholarship and I got $500 because there wasn't a ton of other applicants and my like little short paragraph stood out. So, I mean, that was money just straight to me to be able to pay for food, dorm stuff, things like that. Um, and that's something that you find a lot in Eastern Kentucky, because like I said, it's a community. Um, they really want to help people go to college and local businesses are always starting small scholarship funds like that. Um, so don't overlook those. Definitely give those a chance because they can add up just like everything. Um, so that's something that I just advise everybody <laughs> to do. Um, yeah, so. Um, I think that's about it for our questions, but I would love to hear how um, students, if they want to reach out to you, um, how they could get in contact with you and any other resources that you want to share from your office um, for any first gen students who may be interested. Absolutely. Uh, for me, and this is maybe an old school way of communicating uh, in some ways, but my email address is the most reliable way of having uh, sustainable communications with me. And that is robert.hayes at uky.edu. Uh, folks can go to our website. You can just search uh, student transitions and family programs. We have uh, advising that can get students connected, whether you're a first generation student, if you happen to live off campus and need a connection, if you uh, are a veteran student, we also have the Veterans Resource Center in our office. Um, mainly just, we welcome anyone and everyone just to come in and say hi. And just a, a quick advertisement for something that will be coming up, hopefully early on uh, this coming fall semester, we will be relocating to the second floor of the Gatton Student Center in a newly designed, newly created space that is just for us uh, and student support services. And I think that is a testament to where the institution, um, that's how they see us. So we're, we need to be in a space like that that's highly visible and, and accessible to students. And we are super excited about that. And I really think that we're gonna have some good, uh, really good student and family traffic once we're over there. That is such great news. I'm so excited <laughs> because McVeigh's a little hidden. We all know. Um, so excited for all the resources for first gen and all your other programs to be just really like out in the open and hopefully that'll, um, you know, spread the word to more students and I'm super excited for that. And I just want to thank you for coming on here and having this conversation. 
I love talking to anybody, but especially people who have similar experiences. And it's really good um, to hear from you. And I hope that to the listeners out there that you've taken something away from this episode and that you will join us next week for another episode of The Power of One. Thank you.